Welcome, everybody, to Election Connection here on WFMP 106.5 FM. I'm your host, Ruth Newman, and I'm very pleased to have on my show Michael Adams, Republican, who has assumed the office of our Secretary of State here in Kentucky, and you assumed the office in January of 2020, correct? That's right. As we all know or should know, the Secretary of State is Kentucky's chief election officer, and you are charged with making sure that we have free, fair, and efficiently and transparently run elections. So how are things going? I'll tell you, when I made recommendations to Governor Bashir for our plan for the primary, I was reasonably confident, uh, but not 100%, because we were doing something we've never done before and, and hoping for the best. I actually have more confidence in our election plan for November because we've been through this already and we've shown that Kentuckians can make it work, our county clerks can make it work, our election officials around the state, as well as our voters. Uh, The voters get a lot of credit here. They play by the rules and they social distance when they voted in person. And so there's a lot of credit to go around. Uh, Other states are looking to us now trying to be more like Kentucky and how they conduct their elections. Right. I read that 75% of Kentuckians voted by absentee ballot in the primary election. So, That's true. And to give you a sense yeah. of perspective, historically in Kentucky, 2% of voters vote absentee. So in a very brief period of time, we went from 2% absentee to 75% absentee. That's pretty significant. Pretty amazing. Yeah. I know that fraud is a big interest of yours and you campaigned on making sure that we don't have fraud in our election process. Did you uncover any fraud from the primary election? No, we did have some cases that we spotted and we worked with local law enforcement as well as federal law enforcement and state law enforcement. We had a couple of instances in uh, the Owensboro area that it appeared to be individuals attempting to vote twice. That went to the grand jury. They came back with no indictment, so I gather that they found that any violations uh, were unintentional. Unlike Trump telling his base to intentionally vote twice. And by the way, those attempts were not successful. Those individuals did not actually vote twice in the primary. I don't want to be dismissive of concerns that people have about vote fraud. Unfortunately, it's part of our political culture in Kentucky. Uh, In my campaign last year, I, I talked about 22 specific cases of individuals being incarcerated, not just accused or rumors, but people being indicted and convicted for election fraud. So it is a real thing, but I also don't want to overinflate it and suggest that there are these mass conspiracies out there to steal our statewide or federal elections. The truth is somewhere in the middle. But we uh, did a great job, I think. We, meaning uh, the state police, the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, the post office, the attorney general's office, we all worked together on a task force to spot potential vulnerabilities. That's part of why our portal at GoVoteKY.com had all the controls in place that it did. It's why we match signatures on every single absentee ballot. It's why we barcode track every ballot. So not just we can get information about who's got a ballot and where it went and where it is in the system, but also the voter can get that. That was one of my questions. If if you barcode it, that means then that if I send in an application for an absentee ballot, can I track whether it's been received? There are five ways to apply for an absentee ballot. You can go to GoVoteKY.com. It's the same website we had for the primary. You can also email, call, fax, or visit your county clerk. 
our recommendation is if you do have access to a computer and the internet, use the portal at govoky.com, and here's why. You get into the system that way if you use that to request your ballot, and that enables you to use the tracking function to track where your ballot is in the system. If you don't request your ballot with that method, then we can't track it and you can't track it. There's no code that goes along with it if you're not in the computer system. I see. So you recommend that people go online to govoteky.com to request an absentee ballot. That's right, if you can. We understand yeah. that everyone has access to the internet, but it's a great website. You can register to vote there. You can update yeah. your voter information there, make sure it's accurate. You can also volunteer to be a poll worker there. Uh, we've got a big need for poll workers around our state so we can have in-person voting uh, for those who want to vote in person. Uh, but it takes 15,000 poll workers to pull that off. And we only have about 3,000 that have volunteered with us so far. Oh, dear. And it's, it's a paid temporary job, right? It is. The pay varies by the county. It's usually anywhere from 100 to 200 bucks. So where do they go to apply to be a poll worker? GoVoteKY.com. You yeah. can also go to your county clerk. But here's why I direct people to our website. Number one, we just share that information with your county clerk in your home county. Number two, we know how many volunteers that clerk has, so we can hold the clerks accountable. One thing that's different for the general election from the primary is in the primary, the governor and I just deferred to the counties to figure out their plans. It didn't work out so well in some counties. We had, I think, an over-reduction of voting locations. Uh, the governor felt the same way. So for November, the governor and I each have veto power over the county plans to reduce their polling locations. Uh, we've already approved 18 out of 120, and we're waiting on other counties to get those plans to us. And how is Jefferson County doing? I haven't got their plan yet. I haven't gotten one uh, from Jefferson or Fayette or really any of the big counties yet. So we don't know yet at this point how many polling stations we in Jefferson County are going to get. And we have a dearth of poll workers. So you guys go online to GoVoteKY.com and apply for an absentee ballot. So a person could also walk into the county clerk's office, right, and get an absentee ballot. And they can do that right now. Is that right? You can't get a ballot right now. The ballots aren't printed. The deadline okay. to file for president and for some other offices is September 4th. We can't send out ballots until the ballot is certified. September 4th, in my office, I'll be holding a random drawing to determine the ballot order of candidates for the general election around the state. Then that final ballot goes out and the counties print, obviously, paper ballots for absentees and in other cases for in-person voting, depending on the county's equipment that they use. So no one can get a ballot today. It'll be another week or two before you can actually get the ballot itself. But you can get an application to apply for an absentee ballot today. Good. So I can expect having already applied online. So sometime middle to late September, I can expect a ballot. That's exactly right. Okay. I understand a lot of people are making up their minds on who they want to vote for, for one or more offices. That's, that's great. Take your time, make an informed decision. But if you know who you're going to vote for, there's no reason to delay. If you can get that vote back, the sooner that you can return your ballot, the sooner it can be counted. I'm trying to avoid what you've seen in other states and our state uh, previously this year, which is a week to count all the ballots. It could take longer even if we were to wait to count ballots until the election is over. Uh, uh -huh. So we're going to begin processing absentee ballots in September this time. We're not going to announce any results. We're not going to count the ballots themselves. We're just going to run them through the machines. The earlier you get those back to us, the more votes that we'll have processed as of 6 p.m. election night, and the more we can put up on the board, more precincts reporting. And that'll help us call races and give the voters and the candidates some finality. 
And will there be also drop boxes around town that people can drop their ballots into? Yes, the drop boxes, uh, those were pretty novel. We've never done those before. We had, uh, I think, maybe one per county on average back in the primary. They were very popular. Actually, uh, Republicans especially like them because uh, Republicans have more doubt about the efficacy of the postal system for purposes of returning a ballot. So we found that in Republican places, they were even more popular than in Democratic places. But in any event, they're for everybody. Uh, we've bought another quarter million dollars worth of drop boxes. These things are amazing. They're like tanks. That's why they cost 2000 bucks a piece. They're much more secure than mailboxes. We've bought another round. Every county gets at least one more. Jefferson, Fayette, Kent, and the big counties will get a bunch more than that. Again, they are very expensive, and so we can't put them on every street corner. But uh, your county clerk will get those and then put those at locations around the county. Will the deadline for getting your ballot in be counted according to it arriving on time or counted according to the post office postmark? So the, the default in state law for an absentee ballot to be counted is that it be received by 6 p.m. on election night by the county clerk. That's mm -hmm. the standard in our state law. And the governor and I jointly used our emergency powers back in June and again for November to allow for voters to postmark an absentee ballot as late as election day. Oh, good. So you can mail it back election day, and if it's postmarked election day, then we will wait three more days to receive it before we have a final cutoff. You have to have some cutoff, obviously. So we're allowing three days for that to be received by your county clerk, uh, and then they'll process and they'll count it. But I want to be very clear. I don't have the ability to make the post office postmark any piece of mail. They've told us that their goal is to postmark all the election mail. But if you're relying on a third party to return your ballot, you're at the mercy of that third party's performance. So the earlier you can get it back, the better. If you can bring it back and put it in the Dropbox, it's probably even better than mailing it back. Or, of course, you can vote in person. We're going to have three weeks of early voting in person for the first time in Kentucky history. Three weeks starting on the 13th of October, and we're including Saturdays. So we're making voting as easy as it possibly can be. And where do people go to find out where a drop box might be located? Well, they can find out from their county clerk. It's only September 3rd as of the date of this interview. There's a lot of things to be figured out still. The clerks are still producing their plans to us, where they're going to have early voting, where they're going to have election day voting, where they're going to put draw boxes and so forth. So stay tuned. My office will announce information like that as we receive it from the county clerks, but the county clerks are still formulating their plans. I had a question about the 140,000 nonviolent felons who already served their sentences and had their voting rights restored. Have they been notified and given instructions on how to register and how to vote? You'll have to refer to the governor's office with that question. We've not been included in any of that oh, really? program at all. Uh, we don't have a list of who those individuals are, so we don't have the ability to reach out to them in any way. Kentucky is one of eight states that still has a preponderance of voting machines that do not produce a paper trail. And that's standard verification for uh, getting results of elections. So I'm wondering, do we have the money to upgrade our voting machines so that there are paper trails? Your statistic is, is uh, very outdated. When I took office, there were 29 counties out of 120 that didn't have verification capability. So it's a lot better than your statistic. Really? Yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty obsolete there. But here's some good election news. 
in Congress uh, back in December. They awarded a big tranche of new federal dollars to help states upgrade their election equipment. Kentucky's share of that was $6 million. We've spent four of that $6 million so far helping the 29 counties I just referred to upgrade their equipment. Uh, this was important not just to have better equipment. It was important that they get the ability to be able to process expanded absentee voting. If you've got a county that's just got the old push-button machines, they can't process absentee ballots on those. Those only work for in-person voting. But paper scanners, those can count absentee ballots or in-person ballots. They're more versatile. So we've actually worked very hard to help these counties upgrade their equipment. So between the $6 million that we got for equipment upgrades, plus the $6 million we got in March, uh, CARES Act dollars, stimulus dollars, we've used those funds uh, pretty efficiently to help our counties upgrade their equipment. Uh, my goal for my term of office was to get every county up to paper ballot capability uh, during my term. I don't think it'll take four years, though. I think we might actually hit that this year. Wouldn't uh, a mail-in ballot be considered a paper ballot? Sure. That's another alternative to voting machines. I'll tell you, I, I spent 21 months traveling Kentucky, running for this office, and I talked to Democrats, Republicans, Independents, everybody, and I got lots of differing opinions on things. But the one thing that everybody agrees on, Democrats, Republicans, Independents, Libertarians, you name it, they all want paper ballots because you have some on the left who are worried about, say, Russia hacking our election equipment. You've got some on the right, I found, especially after this past November, who believed, I don't believe correctly, but believed that Governor Bevin was robbed, uh, that machines were tampered with. I have no evidence that either of those beliefs is true. That said, Democrats and Republicans both feel more comfortable if you've got paper ballots because you've got a paper trail. If you've got paper ballots, you kind of electronically, you get the speed of a quick count, but you have the security of a paper trail. I'm an election attorney by background. That's how I made my career before I did this. And I can't tell you how frustrating it is to be in a recount situation and not be able to do a recount because you don't have a paper trail. So whether you're concerned about hacking or you're concerned about having a paper trail, so you can actually recount how many votes were cast and who voted for whom, it helps to be with paper ballots. So my goal is to get every single county uh, onboarded with paper ballots. As of our primary, every county was able to do paper balloting, at least in part. But my goal is to get every county 100% paper ballot. Well, with that in mind, would your goal also be to, at some point, have no excuse absentee ballots or universal mail-in ballots, too? No, what I've done this year has been in response to a crisis. I've taken a lot of heat, and that's that's fine. I, I feel like I'll be judged historically on whether or not I keep people safe and ensure high turnout. That's what I'll be judged by is how I respond to that crisis. But to be clear, I made these decisions through my emergency powers. Outside of an emergency, I don't really have any authority over the election policy at all, only on the margins, really. So it's up to the legislature to decide what the election laws are. But the legislature... Uh, they write the laws. I had no reason to believe that they're going to adopt this sort of a system permanently. It was done in response to a crisis. But as a matter of permanent change, I don't think that's likely. Based on how much heat I've taken from doing this, even in a crisis, I can't imagine that they'll replicate this going forward. Well, even if the turnout was just so impressive, because people tend to prefer, first of all, having a lot of time to vote, not just one day, and then being able to do it from their home rather than having to go to a location. And especially when the time is so narrow, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., 
even during good times with no pandemic. I know when I moved here, I moved here from Minnesota, I missed the first election. I've lived in four different states and they all had elections until nine o'clock at night. And it was only here. It seems like it's putting an awful lot of strain and restrictions on people to have it in such a tight time frame, don't you think? Well, you know, my job is to effectuate the laws that are passed. I, I took an oath to execute the laws, and so that's that's what I do. If they change the laws, then I'll enforce them the way that they write them. But to be very clear, the reason that we had this available is thanks to Congress and the president. They're paying for it. <laughs> they awarded us federal funds to pay for these costs. It's very mm -hmm. expensive to do this. And so if you're asking legislature to cut health care education to pay for more early voting or more absentee ballots, Okay, but let's just be honest about the fact that you're asking them to cut some other program. It is very expensive. As a matter of fact, Jared Deering, who's the executive director of the State Board of Elections, he was giving testimony to a subcommittee at the House, and he claimed that what we're getting from the federal government is only one-tenth of what it would take to upgrade our voting machines, that we really need between 75 and $100 million in the state of Kentucky he also said, and I'm quoting, we are routinely being scanned by Venezuela, North Korea, and Russia on a weekly basis. And we're asking our county clerks with limited resources to participate in national security. So that's why he also asked for funding for a full-time administrative specialist and two IT developers. So I know that Senator McConnell has blocked three House passed election security bills, he won't even bring them up to the Senate to vote. What I know is Mitch McConnell paid for this election. <laughs> He's the ah. one who got us got us the funding that we needed to upgrade the machines, as I just talked about, and the one who got us the stimulus dollars that paid for our absentee voting and early voting I just talked about. There's no one who's done more to make voting easy than Mitch McConnell. But there's plenty of more on our wish list here in Kentucky, as you mentioned as well, that we need. I was going to ask you uh, also about photo ID. How does that work when you're applying online for an absentee ballot? Well, it's one of the security protocols that we've built into the portal and make sure that we have a fair election. We actually have a memorandum of understanding with the Bashir administration. They've given us access to the transportation cabinets database of driver's licenses. So uh, when you go to apply for your absentee ballot, you enter in your information the way it shows on your voter registration card, and we've linked that to your driver's license. And so that enables us to verify your identity before we process your, your application. We found that historically about 98% of Kentucky voters have a driver's license. We understand that that means 2% don't. So in my photo ID to vote bill, we included an appropriation to pay for free IDs for people who don't have one, that's potentially life-changing. If you don't have a photo ID, you're blocked out of so many things in normal life. Catching a paycheck, getting a job, it's so hard to do without a photo ID. We're, we're paying for that. But we also understand that it doesn't solve every problem, especially in COVID-19. A lot of offices that issue these are closed. A lot of people are scared to go outdoors and get an ID in the first place. So we've made allowances to excuse those people from that requirement. Uh, this new requirement to provide a photo ID to vote. Uh, you're able to vote without a photo ID if you fit into one of these criteria. 
but we do actually have a non-photo ID. That was the law before photo ID was you have a non-photo ID or that the poll worker knows you. If the poll worker knows you, the poll worker can sign a form about that and then you're good to go. Now, I had read that Kentucky sent out over 3 million postcards ahead of the primary election that was informing voters of how to vote absentee ballot. But there was something about hundreds of thousands of returned postcards, and you were going to pursue that. And did you pursue that? I did. So uh, in the primary, we sent out a postcard to every registered voter in the Commonwealth. It's about 3.4 million. We have a cap. We can only send out half a million a day. And so it took a good solid week plus to actually mail these things out. There were so many of them. So about 3 million of them landed uh, where they should have landed. And this served a great purpose of informing voters about their voting options for the primary. But there was a dual purpose. The other purpose was that we would then get back uh, postcards that were undeliverable because the person who used to live at an address isn't there anymore. Unfortunately, a lot of voters don't notify their clerk or us that they've moved away. When I ran for this office last year, I cited publicly available reports that we had 200,000 people on our voter rolls who had passed away or moved away or been put away, and yet we're still on our voter rolls. Federal and state law require us to maintain our voter rolls every two years, but in fact, we had not done so since Secretary of State Trey Grayson was in office in 2009. Uh, so to me, I wanted to ensure that we're in compliance. We're under a federal court order to do that. So one of the benefits of this postcard is we got about 400,000 of those back, and we're able to place those people on the inactive list of individuals that we have reason to believe are not entitled to vote in Kentucky anymore. It doesn't mean that we purge them. It means that then I send them a notice and say, hey, you've been spotted as someone who appears to have moved out of the state. Can you please sign below and, and verify your information? We need to keep our roles up to date. It doesn't serve anyone's purpose, Democrat or Republican, to have voter rolls that are unreliable. You don't want any government file to be full of errors. Uh, so we're not disenfranchising anybody. We only take you off without your consent if we verify that you're dead. So I work with the Bashir administration. They've got a Bureau of Vital Statistics that I check with on a regular basis to ensure that we've taken people who have passed away off our voter rolls. But if if you have moved out of our state, I don't take you off just because I've got information that you've moved. I've got to get your written consent before I can do that, or I have to wait for two federal elections to pass. Uh, so we're both proactively reaching out to people that we believe have registered to vote in some other state. We don't want people double voting in two states, but we're also not wildly purging people. Well, what if a person just moved out of the precinct? So when you send uh, one or two or three letters to them, they never get it. So they never answer you, but they're still in the state. What about that? Well, what people are supposed to do is, by law, if they move, they're supposed to update their voter information. They can do that at govoky.com. That's one of the buttons you can check on that website and you can do it in about two minutes. It's pretty easy. It's every voter's obligation to play their part and help us keep these roles up to date. Okay. So in other words, say that I move to another precinct and the next election comes around and I go to that precinct to vote, does that mean that I will be barred from voting? Because I, well, failed, I failed to re-register? Here's what the law says. The law says you're supposed to vote in your precinct. And your precinct is determined by where you live. And if you move out of your precinct, you don't get to vote at your old precinct. Now, in a federal election, this doesn't apply under state elections. So in 2023, this wouldn't apply. But in 2020, 
Uh, if you go to vote and you're in the wrong precinct, they can't turn you away. But what they can do is say, fill out this provisional ballot, and you're swearing that you're you, even though we've got no record that you live in this precinct. Uh, we will accept that ballot and put it into a different box. And then you've got three days to come back to the Board of Elections and prove that you're you and that you're entitled to vote. And then they can correct for that and they can count your vote. They won't count a vote other than for federal office, because for federal office, the precinct isn't quite as relevant. If you're voting for president or, or senator, for example, it doesn't matter what precinct you're in, right? For local races, we can't give you a ballot with local races for your precinct if you're not in the right precinct. One point here, because this year we have used vote centers, uh, this was something I proposed to the legislature actually before the pandemic. It's a good idea. With vote centers, you don't have to vote in your precinct. You can vote anywhere in the county that's convenient for you. You can vote downtown, uptown, whatever. You don't have to vote by your house. You can vote by your job. It's probably easier for you to get to. This is a permanent reform I'd like to make in Kentucky law. But because some of our counties have vote centers, actually this November, every county will have a vote center. You don't have to vote in your precinct. You can, but you can also go vote at the vote center and any county voter can vote at the vote center. Do you happen to know where the Jefferson County vote center will be? Well, I haven't got a plan, a proposal yet from Jefferson County. So I, I, can't, okay. I can't tell you that. But I we will have to get a plan from them and, and review it and then uh, sign off on it. So does the governor. Okay. And then that will also be available to people on GoVoteKY.com so that they'll know. My website, SOS.KY.gov, we advertised every single location in the state for early voting and in-person voting in the primary. We don't have that information yet. It's early September. Uh, but once we have that, we'll post it at my website, SOS.KY.gov. Okay. As you probably know, the state of Washington has universal mail-in ballots. And the way they make sure that nobody is voting in different states is that the states have databases that they all share with each other so that they know. Does Kentucky share databases with other states? Do we have that same access? We do. We didn't until very, very recently. Uh, some change has been made since the last election. But we do now belong to an interstate compact with about 30 states, and we all trade information in real time about who's moving in or out of our states and registering to vote. Uh, I routinely get letters from the secretaries of state of Idaho and Washington and New York and so forth, and we send them letters too. We say, hey, today we've got the following registrations from people, but they're also registered in your state, just FYI. And then that gives us the ability to reach out to those people and verify their identity and verify that they're voting in the right place and that they should come off the voter rolls of the state they left. Exactly. Also, you had stated at one time that in terms of voting security, in some of our counties, it was just a question of administrators there not understanding password protection or not using password protection and that what you wanted to do was make sure that everybody was trained to be able to know password protection of all of their voting equipment. I just wonder how that squares with the threats that we're having from international outfits now, like Venezuela and Russia and North Korea, and the fact that Jared Deering had said that our equipment is routinely scanned once a week. I'm just wondering if you think that password protection is, is enough. Well, it's a good start. I travel the state, and I'll be frank, I, I wish that our security at the local level were a little better. A lot of these county courthouses, they're 200-year-old buildings. 
you've got the county clerk's office on the ground floor, windows uh, everywhere, and then you've got the server. <laughs> and I'd like to see us improve our physical security around the state, but I, I don't have the ability to compel anything of anybody. The county clerks are constitutional officers too. They're independently elected. They're independently funded from their own county and their own revenue. And so I don't have the ability to get them to do anything other than ask. I had high hopes for personally traveling the state and training local officials and best practices. I've got a pretty good uh, sense of what we can do better that I've seen other states do better than, than what we do. I can't do that right now. I really can't travel at all. It's very hard for me to get out of the capital and go visit with people in the current circumstances. Here's what I have done. Number one, I've worked very closely with the clerks in regular calls and Zooms and so forth, I encourage them to take advantage of federal offerings. The Department of Homeland Security in Washington has regular calls and training and so forth for counties on how they can upgrade their security. Again, I don't have any control over what counties do. It's up to the county. They have their own voters and their own budget, and their own officials. Uh, but I've worked very hard to help build relationships between the counties and the federal government. And then I don't have an announcement to make on this today, but very soon I will. I've worked with the federal government to provide a new security product to our county clerks at no charge. And I'll lay that out closer to the election. There's some good news coming. I'm sure that in some of our cash-strapped counties, they would love to have some upgrades and some better security, if only they had the money. That pretty much covers my questions. And I really appreciate you being on my show, Secretary of State Adams. And I hope you'll come on again. And I want to just tell everybody once again, please apply for an absentee ballot. The minute you get your ballot, you can fill it out and turn it in. All right. Well, thank you so much. That was Kentucky Secretary of State Michael Adams. And you are listening to Election Connection with me, Ruth Newman, on WFMP 106.5 FM. We have another guest here with us today on Election Connection. His name is Nori Giabaudi. He's spokesperson for the Jefferson County Board of Elections. So welcome, Nori, to Election Connection. Well, Ruth, thank you for having me today. It's a pleasure to be here and talk about the upcoming election. Yes, indeed. Something that's on all our minds. I just finished an interview with the Secretary of State Adams. Now perhaps we can get a little more localized down to the city and county level. How are things going just in general so far? Well, I'll tell you this. Here in Jefferson County, of course, we survived our primary, which was, of course, in late June. That was kind of overwhelming for us because that was basically a 100% ballot election with one super center just in case folks didn't request a ballot or changed their mind and decided to vote that that was made available. Of course, with the primary, there were so many changes because of COVID-19 and the Secretary of State, as well as the State Board of Elections, came up with a plan that would best serve the entire state of Kentucky, including Jefferson County, making some adjustments to the election laws and how we would proceed in doing what was considered to be our first, I would say, ballot request election. Uh That brings us to this one coming up. (laughs) Yes, indeed. So what were some of the changes to the election law? Well, uh, normally, in order to vote what we consider to be in absentee by mail, you have to meet one of the, the criteria to actually ask for an application. 
And once you are sent that application, you fill it out accordingly and you have to actually have one of the reasons in order to vote. For example, I'm going to have surgery on that day. I'm going to be out of the country. I'm going to be out of town. The woman who's in their, their third trimester, there are very specific reasons that you can do in-person voting, we call it, and to request through an application process a ballot. Uh, normally, in every county in Kentucky, you do that by requesting the ballot. You're sent the application, and uh, you will fill out the application with including one of those reasons, and then you send it back to the clerk's office. And of course, with that, you're going to sign your signature. When that comes back, your signature is compared to your voter registration card to make sure that we are sending the person that is a registered voter and requested that ballot and that it's not somebody else. Mm-hmm. And then they'll send the ballot to you, and of course, you send it back. The absentee ballots, of course, come with several envelopes and instructions on how to fill out your ballot. And once you do receive that, you, of course, have to sign the envelope on the outside, the envelope on the inside. You have very set criteria of how to vote with an absentee ballot. And once that's done, of course, you put it back in the mail to the Jefferson County Board of Elections. And on election day, on in normal circumstances, that's when it's opened and it's opened by a bipartisan team. When you send it back in, they compare your signature one more time, bipartisan. And then that's just on the outer envelope. And then on election day, when they open them, they compare the two signatures. You really should never, ever sign a signature for a parent because you're signing a signature on the outside of an envelope that's not the parent that's voting. So you need their signature because you want to make sure that they are the person that's actually voting. You may help them with it, but they need to sign their signature. And that's important. Otherwise, the ballot won't be counted. Mm -hmm. But now things are different. They made the arrangements for COVID-19 in the spring for the general election coming up on November 3rd. Rather than go through the application process that we just described, the State Board of Elections put together what they call a portal where you actually answer the questions accordingly, use your driver's license for identification, or you can do it on your phone. And once you submit that, the State Board of Elections will send a label that has barcodes on it, and that's what we use to send you your ballot. We don't have to go through the application process I just described. That's been done by the state, and we just send you your ballot. So when you first apply, do you go to govoteky.com? Exactly. And that will have all that information. The one thing that's nice about that, even if you go to the Jefferson County Clerk's website right now, we take you to that so that you don't have to go through the two-part process that's been put in place for Kentucky on a normal election cycle. This actually avoids that and takes you right to the portal. They answer the questions. We send you your ballot. It saves some extra steps. Now, I was wondering, did you learn anything (laughs) from the primary? Oh, we learned a lot. (laughs) First of all, in the past, when it came to the request for absentee ballots, we'd have anywhere between 1,200 and maybe 2,500. Never did we ever expect that we'd get, what, almost 200,000 of them. We just don't have that kind of manpower, and we weren't prepared for that. The clerk's office had shifts of people in bipartisan teams working 12-hour shifts trying to get Uh the ballots out as well as getting them in and recording them and putting everything in process. It was quite overwhelming, and it was a very short turnaround for the primaries, about four weeks. And then we were still dealing with the application process as well, so we were doing both. Uh, This time, it'll speed it up a little bit because we're just going straight to the portal, and that'll make it a little bit easier for us. 
we also learned at that time we really didn't want to ever do this again <laughs> and here we are one more time around here we are yes indeed mm -hmm. but people can still go to a polling station and vote in person is that right that is correct of course last spring we had to have one location that like i said if you did not request the ballot and you change your mind you could actually go to a, a polling location and we, we only were required to have one and of course last spring the uh, primary that was in june that one place because of social distancing size we were very very lucky that we were able to use the kentucky exposition center because it was probably one of the largest polling locations in the united states it was humongous it was uh -huh. a, what we would consider a super center so what is there going to be this time around is there going to be a okay. super center do you know where it's going to be no it was just kind of told to us what the format would be for this general election it's a little bit different there will be in-person voting prior to the election day just very much like there was in the spring when we were open six days at the exposition center for uh, anybody who wanted to vote and we also had at the election center a few weeks before that we do know that we will be actually doing in-person voting early and with that being said that will help a lot of folks so that they, it's not just a rush on election day we wanted to go back of course for this election into all the neighborhoods and that is not going to be a possibility because of social distancing and things november 3rd is questionable it could be rainy and cold it could be snowing we don't want jefferson county folks outside so we are looking for facilities that we can do social distancing have quite a few folks so that everybody is covered and on the inside so we're in the process of doing that right now uh-huh and the early voting can begin october 13th is that right that is That's correct we are definitely planning on offering that to jefferson county residents at the places that we'd be opening uh for voting on election day as well as, as that early voting so that would include any polling stations that you're able to open and you said election center what is well, that the election centers is the headquarters for jefferson county the uh, election centers right now is located on ormsby avenue right off the old Louisville area there will not be voting there at all there was in the at the primary for in person but it will not be for the upcoming election they'll be in other locations we are narrowing down where those locations will be we haven't signed contracts so i can't really share that with you right now but when we do come out i'm sure you're going to be the first one to go out there and say okay this is where the polling locations are going to be or super centers right. in jefferson right. county this is where you can vote early and you'll be able to vote these places on election day if you did not secure your ballot through the portal and where can i and anyone else find that information it will be on our website we're going to be sharing it of course with the council people who will be sending it out to their constituents in the areas that they represent we do share that information with uh, the local churches and things who will inform their folks of those particular centers because it's not going to be in your neighborhood like it normally is um, mm -hmm. there'll be places that will accommodate folks do a little bit different scale I do know that early voting will be from 8 30 to 4 30 on those days Monday through Saturday okay, and then good. on election day it'll be back to the six to six so can they find out either by going to govoteky.com or going to jeffersoncountyclerk.org? Is that right? 
going to the state uh, board of elections is not going to help them because they represent, of course, all 120 counties. Going okay. to the Jefferson County Clerk's website and then going to the section that says vote, that will give them all the information 100%. I do know that a lot of the folks and radio stations, TV stations that have websites that will be provided that information will probably have that information on their sites for their listeners and their viewers as well. Well, we plan to also. And did you say they're also on top of this would be a voting super center? Absolutely. They'll be, those will be open from six to six on uh, those days as well. Uh-huh. And I do know that, of course, we had just the one in the spring that we're looking for some multiple locations as we go into the fall election. I'm glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. Now, I noticed that there was a little bit of a problem with getting the wrong middle initial during the primary election, that people's middle initials turned up wrong. Did that ever get fixed? It did, and I can actually tell you that actually was with the labels that came through the state's portal. And what happened was there was a glitch. For example, if your middle name was Ann, instead of it coming Ruth A in your last name, it would come Ruth E or N depending on how your and spelled. So they, the computer did a gist that it hit the last initial rather than the first. So that's why the initial was wrong. And the state did straighten that out right away once oh, that glitch okay. was fixed, yes. Somebody who happens to be a, a felon who served their sentence and mm-hmm. were given the right to vote, what should somebody like that do? Normally, they'll re-register to vote. They'll be giving credentials that say that their rights have been restored, and it's done that way. Uh, some, we've actually had voters bring that with them just in case we had to uh, make the adjustments to allow them to vote if it had not been updated. The one uh-huh. thing is the voters for all of Kentucky go through the state's voter registration website. And, of course, with the cleansing of it out uh, with the primary, uh, they actually sent postcards to everybody so that if the postcards came back, they could cleanse the list a little bit. This time, of course, they're not sending postcards out to uh, all the voters in Kentucky. They're just making them aware that they can go to request a ballot through the portal or that they'll have that opportunity to vote at various places. There just won't be the 200 and some polling locations like there are during a normal election cycle. So if I'm not mistaken, what you're saying to me is that anyone who just got their voting rights restored, who's an ex-felon, they will actually receive notification in the mail of that. Uh, They will receive a document that states that that's what I understand. And Uh from there, they'll use that document to re-register or to be able to vote on election day. Uh, Probably the person that would have been better at answering that question is our secretary, uh, who you spoke to earlier, because he knows the election laws forwards and backwards. <laughs> well, you know what? I did ask him that question. <laughs> he deferred to the governor. I believe that's how it's done. I mean, I know that yeah. we've had people carry in papers from working at the election sites, you know, here in Jefferson County. And we do that or they go before the board and they'll make sure that that happens if their rights have been restored. Now, I'd like to know what the situation is with poll workers. Okay. Uh, election officers. We normally in Jefferson County need 2,400 election officers. Of course, that's Republicans and Democrats only in the primary. In the fall, we do fill folks in with independents as well. Of course, many of our um, election officers are a little bit up there in age. Some of them (laughs) have been election officers for many, many years. A lot of them still want to do it. A lot of them were there at the Exposition Center 
working, and uh, that's their choice. We've been very lucky. We've had organizations that have stepped up. We have some additional ones to replace those folks. Right now, though, we're going to have to fill the spaces that we need and the days that we need with election officers that have been with us because it's only right to let them first. And then we'll start filling in with the others that are new to us. But I do know that Secretary Adams, as well as a lot of other organizations, have worked very hard at encouraging new election officers and young election officers, college age, and making that really kind of part of what they consider to be a civic duty. Yes, I didn't ask uh, Secretary of State Adams this, but I happened to read that he's going out to the beer labels to advertise. <laughs> I, I did the see the beer, beer cans that Secretary Adams breweries. did put in. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, are there job opportunities that people could respond to for uh, election officers? Uh, Election officers here in Jefferson County are paid for their training as well as their 12-hour day. So it totals up to about $200. And of course, you can go online. There's an application process to be an election officer, and you can do that online. Uh-huh. And what is the website? It's jeffersoncountyclerk.org. Go to the section that says vote. And when it opens up to the election section of our uh, website, that says to be an election officer, you just hit that button and it'll take you right to the form. Or you can go to the state site and do the same thing. Now, if a person doesn't want to go through the mail, they can also drop uh, absentee ballot in a drop box, right? We will have drop boxes at the locations that will be opening up for early voting, that if somebody actually has requested a ballot and filled it out, and they prefer not to put it in the mail, they can drop it off in person to what we consider to be an election drop box. That will be at the election uh, center. Uh, There'll always be a box there because they have to be in a building. They are secured. There's a security officer there and the box is under camera. It only can be when we have in-person voting between the 8.30 and 4.30 because the boxes are not set outside so that nobody's uh, ballot can be removed. And then they are actually cleared out at the end of each day and taken back to the election headquarters. And so there's only going to be the one drop box at the election center or will there be others? There's one at the election center and then there'll be one at, at the voting location that we'll select. There'll be more than this, the one. For example... There were two at the exposition center at the fairgrounds. If we choose other locations, there'll be one to two boxes at each one of those locations right as you step inside the door. The one thing I do have to say is if you do wait till election day to uh, drop your ballot in the mail, you Uh need to do that at a main post office, just like you would your taxes. It has to be marked in. A lot of neighborhood postal things will their last pickups at five o'clock. Well, that means it's not going to get postmarked for November 3rd. So you'd want to do that at a main post office. That's one thing. Uh, Election day, of course, we'll have drop boxes available at all the voting centers that we select for Jefferson County. And they'll be open from six to six on election day. And we've had people just walk in and put it in the box and then they're back out the door. You can go to a drop box at six o'clock on election day and get your vote counted. Put your ballot in. Yeah, just walk in the door and put the ballot in the drop box and then go on your way. What if you have applied for an absentee ballot? And day before election day, you still haven't received it in the mail. Can you go and vote in person? No, you will not be able to do that. For the primary, it was a little different because the deadlines were so short. The last day to request that ballot, of course, is in in early October, which gives you plenty of time to get that ballot back to us and to get it processed 
scanned in and that it's counted. Now, mm -hmm. if you do do it on election day, those are going to be numbers that are going to come in afterwards. But at any time that there's the in-person early voting part that we open up to, you can bring it and drop it in that box, and it'll be processed accordingly. Question is, what if they did not receive? You their can't. That would be trying to almost vote twice. You've been issued a ballot, and it's been scanned out to you. Yeah. It's got barcode on it. If you come in to vote on that day, it's going to show that you were issued a ballot already. Even though you never got it? You can double check as you go along whether or not you've received that ballot. You can go back in and check. How do you go back in you and know, check? Prior to election day, uh, you'd go to the state site, and it'll show that it's been received in. But see, you haven't voted. You have not received a blank absentee ballot. So you're unable to fill it out because you haven't received the ballot yet. And well, you got to remember the last date to receive a request is October 8th. But I mean, it could be a mistake on the part of the post office or a mistake on the part of the county clerk. Somewhere along the way, somebody made a mistake. It wasn't your fault, but you just didn't get the ballot. So you, ha you must have some recourse. Within 20-some days, you should know whether or not you got your ballot because the state has very much set up a deadline that every ballot has got to be mailed uh -huh. to anybody that requested them. And uh -huh. I think it'll be almost two weeks out that you should have received your ballot if you gave it three days to get there. And you can check the number that it's been received through the portal, and that would secure it as well. But the reason that is done that way is if you were to receive a ballot, and you to go to the post office and drop it in on election day at a main post office and then try to go in and vote, you have voted twice. That's a federal offense. And need I remind you that that is exactly what President Trump is asking his base to do. And we did have a couple of people that did that. And in order to prevent that, that's why they said you received your ballot in the mail. Why didn't you notify us? Statewide, everybody has to get the ballots on on the same day from every county. I don't see that as being resolved because it could be that a mailman just inadvertently dropped it. Or, as but, happens quite often, it goes into the wrong post. At the primary, you could come in. You'd go in and they'd say, well, we, you were sent a ballot, and that did happen. Then you'd have to go to a special section, and uh -huh. they would dissolve that ballot number. They would get uh -huh. rid of it. They'd scan that number out of the system. So uh -huh. they may then issue a ballot to vote, and you're going to fill out some paperwork to say that you just uh -huh. didn't receive it, and you're going to testify to that. They're going to give you a ballot. And then if the ballot, if it does come in, when they go to scan it, it'll say that you voted in person. That's how it was done at the primary. Uh -huh. Whether they've set that up the same way, I don't know what will happen for November. Uh -huh. I'd have to look a little bit more into it, and probably Secretary Adams was a better person to answer that question. <laughs> Okay, as long as there's some recourse, something that a person can do if they find themselves in that situation. I'm wondering, is there going to be any kind of free transportation on the day of the election? Well, you got to remember the locations haven't been chose. We were very lucky that we were partners with TARC in the spring, but if there's several and multiple locations, there will not be. Uh, they might want to call their party to give them a ride or uh -huh. to try to do that with a friend or to even make those efforts from uh, October 13th on. All right, so people are going to just have to make their own arrangements. Normally, you make your own arrangements to go vote anyway. So, yeah, uh -huh. it would be back to that. At this point, there's not been anything planned to be any different. We'll put it that way. Well, the only difference, as I see it, is that when there were lots and lots of polling stations, people, they could walk to their polling station, but that may not be the case this time around. There will be 
far fewer polling stations, as I understand it. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. But like I said, that hasn't been determined at this point. And people will have, you know, several weeks to actually get to a voting location, or they can go through the portal and get their ballots in. So, I mean, those are the options that they have at this point. What about, and I asked this question of uh, Secretary of State Adams, the voting machines, Uh how up to date they are. I think ours are about two and a half years old here in Jefferson County, and we we added a few new ones again. Every county has different machines. We don't all have the same machines, and we do have uh, touch screen machines that will feed out a paper ballot that you will scan just like a regular ballot as well. Uh-huh. So people can either do the touch screen machines or they can actually get the ballot and mark the the ovals accordingly and and scan that ballot, but there's two different ways here in Jefferson County. Both are paper, and we retain that that paper ballot for 30 days. So there is a verification Mm -hmm. capability there. Now, here's a question that I asked him. Okay. He's the expert on the laws, but uh, you can go ahead and ask me the same question. I have no problem with that. Okay. This has to do with uh, a statement that Jared Deering made when he was testifying in front of the, the House subcommittee. And he had said that there are foreign governments or foreign agents that have been hacking into Kentucky's voting machines on a weekly basis. I was wondering if you have any knowledge of any of that going on in Jefferson County's election system. In Jefferson County, first of all, none of our things are done electronically. Even during a normal election cycle, nothing Uh is transmitted by computer to our computers, except for the numbers that go to Frankfurt. They're actually driven in the memory cards from each one of the scanning machines, and then they are totaled up that way in front of the board on the night of the election. You know, the scanning machines and things are not in that manner. Can that be done? I would imagine maybe there is equipment throughout the United States that that can be, but at least with us, in the process that we've put in place in the safeguards, we worked with Homeland Security and uh, accessing and looking at everything and how it's done and uh-huh. uh, took some of their, their expertise. They were kind of amazed that we had taken a lot of the same precautions on our own uh-huh. prior to they come and whatever adjustments and recommendations they had, we you know added to our guidelines. During the primary, I read that there were, I don't know if that was in Kentucky or in Jefferson County, over 8,300 absentee ballots that were rejected, mostly because of missed deadlines, but also because of problems with signing. I think that was the second biggest reason why they were rejected. And I'm curious to know about what happens if, you know, in a high humidity environment, if the the flap gets stuck so that the person can't open it to sign it. First of all, the signature appears on the outer envelope that is sealed and mailed. It also appears on an inner envelope. Uh-huh. The flap okay. is on one of the envelopes that's on the inside and that flap is not detached. You asked me about uh, rejected absentee ballots. No voter signatures. There was 3,800 in Jefferson County. 3,848. That means that they did not sign the envelope either on the outside or on the inside. That was just misdeadlines and being late. There was 1,178. Of course, then there's things like inner flap missing, inner envelope missing, missing outer envelope. There's a lot of different reasons a person was deceased. What if somebody inadvertently damaged their ballot or lost their ballot or made a mistake in the way they were voting with their ballot, can they bring it back and get another ballot? 
they can do that exactly. They'd contact the uh, election center and then after tell them that they made a mistake. Now, one of the things is there are instructions that if you vote for, we'll say John Doe and you wanted to vote for Mary Doe, what you do is there's instructions that tells you to circle the one you want. They get scanned when it was mailed in or whichever way. They would actually know which one that was because it wouldn't go through the machine as is. And they would, a uh, bipartisan team would do that ballot exactly the way the voter wanted and then scan it and then put them together. That's what's nice about having a bipartisan team, isn't it? That they can look at it and see what the person intended. Absolutely. And like I said, we, we do give instructions that say how to fix this if you make a mistake. But if not, you could actually go to the election center with your ballot and they would provide you a new one. So we can vote early now. We have three weeks before the election that we can vote anytime right. during that three weeks. I heard from Secretary of State Adams that they will start processing the ballots sometime late September. And that is correct. So what does That's it true. mean when they process? I also interviewed the Secretary of State of the state of Washington, and they do universal mail-in voting in Washington. Her name is Kim Wyman. Okay. And she says that they do early processing. However, it's illegal for them to do early counting. So she distinguishes processing from counting. Right. Remember earlier I said that, you know, normally it's done on election day uh-huh. under yeah. normal circumstances in Jefferson County. The exceptions was made for the primary and it will be for this general here in Jefferson County. State laws are different in every state. And so theirs could be very, very different than us where ours are a little more restricted, but they're set up. The laws are made accordingly, and we just we follow them pretty much to a T. But when it comes to opening them up and things, when they come in, they'll be scanned to say that we received them because they have a barcode on them. And then after, they'll go to the bipartisan team, which will look at the signature on the outer envelope, and they will verify that this is whoever is voting because the scan will tell them, as well as the signature of the voter card that they submitted uh, when they registered to vote. Uh-huh. From there, they'll be uh, stored very securely, and then after, there will be a bipartisan team that will slice them open, compare the signatures of the two envelopes to make sure they're the same before they open up the inner envelope. And once uh-huh. it's open, they'll pull out the ballot, unfold it, and they'll face it down. At the end of uh, that particular day, they will scan those ballots with a bipartisan team into the scanning machines, and those will be counted. They'll be counted on the machine, but they won't be able to be fed out to who voted or how many votes were for so-and-so. And so and when It'll does that just occur? scan them at that point. That will occur on election night. So uh-huh. we know how many people have voted, uh, we'll say, on that particular day, but we won't know how they voted until election night. I see. Well, thank you so much, Nora. Ruth, you're more than welcome, and I look forward to uh, providing you the uh, list of places we'll be voting in Jefferson County. And your next set of questions. That was Nori Giabaudi, spokesperson for the Jefferson County Board of Elections. And I'm Ruth Newman, wishing you well and hoping you'll tune in next time on Election Connection.